So what happens if supply would go down? What happens if demand would increase by 10%? How would I solve those things? Because what happens is you need to make decisions so quickly in order to make sure that you keep that flow of product going. And then when you start to see the pendulum start to swing where your plan, which never hardly ever occurs the way that you want it to occur, once it starts to swing one way or the other, you've already thought through the process. You've already said, this is what we're going to do. So that helps you get into that execution mode faster. From Alloy.ai, this is Shelf Life. How can consumer brands anticipate what their customers want to buy? How do brands drive loyalty with increasingly fickle consumers? Who owns the consumer? Consumer companies or retailers? What does the future of commerce hold? On every episode of Shelf Life, we answer questions like these and more with the help of leaders across the consumer goods industry. Today, we welcome John Buckley, Consumer Products Industry Advisor at SAP. John has over 30 years of experience within the consumer products industry. He's held vice president and director roles in supply chain, manufacturing, and planning. And he's led SNOP initiatives for Tyson Foods, Sara Lee, Kraft Heinz, Maytag Appliances, and more. I'm your co-host, Joel Beal, CEO of Alloy.ai. And I'm your co-host, Logan Ensign, Chief Customer Officer at Alloy.ai. We'll be back with John Buckley right after this. Selling consumer goods is a tough job. Between rising costs, supply disruptions, price-sensitive consumers, and retail partners who have their own set of priorities, it's becoming harder than ever to execute today, much less plan for tomorrow. There's plenty of data to help, but pulling and analyzing reports from retailer portals is so tedious and time-consuming that you can't respond to problems at the shelf until the bullwhip hits you in the face. That's a cow, actually. Now there's Alloy.ai to help. Alloy automatically aggregates and harmonizes data from your retailers, supply chain partners, and ERP. Then we make it easy to find insights using pre-built, consumer goods-specific metrics and dashboards so you can sense, predict, and respond instantly. Check it out today and get a demo at Alloy.ai. John Buckley, welcome to Shelf Life. Great. Um, it's a pleasure to be here. It's great to have you. Uh, we're really excited to have this conversation, John. You have uh, a really uh, compelling background for us here because you've had the luxury of working at the consumer brands. So I know you were at Maytag, Kraft, Tyson, but also you've had the chance to work on the technology side for those companies that support them currently at, at SAP. Uh, and so I think the first question for you is how did you get into this space and, and what gets you excited about it? I started off in consumer products goods and, and have basically remained there all 35 plus years of my experience. And as you said, uh, we're starting to work with Maytag Appliances, which was in the hometown where I grew up at. And so that kind of set my stage. And then I met people throughout the organization uh, that moved and go to other companies. And so some of them had asked me to come work for them. So I left Maytag to go to Jacuzzi. But then as I started going through that, I uh, had an opportunity to switch from more of the durable goods into the fast-moving consumer goods industry where I was working with Sarah Lee. 
And although it's similar with consumer goods, the difference between durables to fast-moving consumer goods, you know, the way that they plan and, and the way they deliver products and how they interact with the consumers happens to be a little bit different. But it was at Sara Lee where I really started to realize how technology plays a part in, in the I'm a business process person, so I think about things from a process. And I came to learn how solutions, how that technology aspect can add value and bring added uh, results to the to your business process and to how you're doing your day-to-day work. And so that led me to SAP. Um, and so then I started working with SAP and then started dealing with global customers uh, around the world, uh, mostly on supply chain topics. But then after I worked there for a couple of years, I had the itch to get back into consumer products again. Then I went back and worked for Kraft Heinz and returned back into, um, at that time now it was Tyson, uh, who, was a, who acquired uh, Sara Lee. Hillshire brands earlier on. Um, and then I stayed there and then I had that itch to say, you know what? I want to get back into what I did. I really enjoyed my time at SAP before. I really enjoyed sharing some of my experience and my knowledge with others. Um, and I really could see how the value of technology added in it. So I decided to leave and come back into SAP where currently I'm an industry product advisor uh, for all of consumer goods uh, with responsibility in the Midwest, but I do stretch out beyond that. John, you you mentioned you've been in the space for 35 years, and I love the fact that you, sounds like you even started at Maytag, kind of the hometown business, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure you've seen massive changes over that time, uh, probably some that are pretty remarkable. Maybe some changes haven't happened that you would have expected. I'm just curious, as you look at that you know, relatively long time period, where have you seen the most evolution? What's been the most surprising, maybe both in terms of where there has been change and where there hasn't? You know, working in consumer products and whether it is durable goods or fast moving consumer goods or sitting on this side of the table looking back, one thing that that we all need to focus on and need to be aware of is the consumers. That's you, that's me. The consumers have changed greatly. If, you know, if we think back 35 years, and, and for some of us, we don't even need to think back that far. We can just think back five or six years. Think about how we did things, how we worked, how we played, how we interacted, how we shopped. All of that is constantly changing. So one of the things that I've learned over my career is that even though the consumers, you know, we've gotten older, we've gotten wiser, but there are things that make us change our activities, the change, changes of how we shop, how we interact. Um, most recently, if we look at what's happened with COVID, you go back five years. If you just think back about how we shopped, how we engaged, how we bought our groceries, how we bought our appliances, today has changed um, as consumers. And so, you know, 35 years ago when I got in my first role as a demand planner and I was trying to guess what people would buy, fast forward 35 years and I'm still talking to customers who are still trying to figure out what consumers are going to buy. We need to stay closer to that consumer to find out, you know, what they're doing and what are they thinking and what are they going to buy. And now you got to put in that, how are they going to buy it? John, you you spoke about what people are going to buy. Most people, when you think about demand planning, that's Mm -hmm. what it's about. How how much are they going to buy, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe where are they going to buy it? You said that's a more important thing post-COVID. That's something certainly we've seen a lot of, you know, buy online, pick up in store, obviously the growth of of pure e-commerce. How is that changing planning from your perspective? You know, if you look back again of how we've changed, and let's just take the fast-moving consumer goods and the grocery store experience that we had. Prior to this, we'd always go into the grocery store and we'd go in with a list or generally you'd start picking things off of the shelf. 
if it wasn't there, then you'd have to make a choice. You know, do I wait for that, that particular product to come back in or do I find something else? And so we'd make that choice right there. And as a consumer product good company, we do never, you never want to see someone change your brand. Um, you want to keep that product that's on the shelf. So you fast forward and then all of a sudden COVID hit. And now we're interacting where we're not going into the grocery stores. And now we're having to do it online and we have to put our grocery list in or we have to do different things. And then if they didn't have the product, sometimes the retailer would make those decisions for us. They would give us some product as a replacement. Uh, it might The value might have been greater than what it was that we wanted to order, but they would make a change for us. It gets back to the basis of making sure that you have the product on the shelf when us as consumers want to have it. Because as a consumer product company that is branded, and there are some consumer products companies out there that are private label, but they play in this same sense as well, that making sure that your product is on the shelf, available to the consumer when they want to buy it, and now how they want to buy it. Again, us as consumers, we've changed the way that we've shopped. It's nothing for us to make a decision that I want to go on and, and, and buy an appliance, and if it's not there at this retailer, that I'll switch and I'll move to somewhere else. Now, granted, for the CPG company, if you stay within that brand, that's good. But the retailer on that standpoint doesn't like that when you switch from one of the stores to another store. You talk a little bit there around you know that on-shelf availability, which I think people have been talking about for for decades at this point, right? Availability of product, you obviously don't want someone substituting. Do you think with the change to more e-commerce, does that benefit more the brands or the the retailers when it comes to switching? Because before, if I was in that grocery store, I'm a captive audience. It's unlikely I'm going to go to a different grocery store because I can't find the exact product I like, or at least it's a little more difficult. Um, and so as a, as a grocery store, I'm still going to be able to pick up that purchase. It just might be a different brand that I sell. But now, I mean, I can just open up a new tab on my browser and maybe mm -hmm. buy from a different grocery store and get that same brand somewhere else. So I'm curious, how is that dynamic playing out? This is going to kind of sound like a consulting answer. So this gets into the other side of things is it kind of depends. And what do I mean by how it depends is that when you think of consumer goods and you and when I told you my background, we talked about durable goods and we talked about fast moving consumer goods. But you have to realize that there's other types of durable or there are other type of consumer products, such as fashion, home and personal care. All of those things have different and unique ways uh, of going about it. So the example, Joel, that you just gave there where you go in and you look for a washing machine, the chance of you switching to another brand of washing machine maybe less likely, you're going to go find a new retailer that has what you're looking for. Fast-moving consumer goods, you're shopping at a retailer, the product's not there, you're going to switch to another product. So the dynamics that happens in between the sub-industries is all, is, is all different. And as consumer products, good companies and retailers, you know, there's that dynamic that goes on about, you know, who owns the consumer who has the information to the consumer? What, how can we share information back and forth between each other so that the consumer can make sure that they get what they want, when they want it, and where they want it as well? I'm curious, as you talk about these shifts that are happening or really trying to keep up with consumer demand and understanding that, 
Do you notice consistent strains on supply chains that, that come out of this? And so, you know, what we see with some of our customers we work with is a lot more emphasis, for example, mm-hmm. on different fulfillment methods through retail channels, uh, buy online, pick up in store, direct ship. Are, are there sort of consistencies in terms of just where people are focused from a supply chain perspective uh, with these changes? Yeah. So, I mean, disruption in supply chain is, is getting to be a norm. I mean, it's not... it's not uncommon for us to turn on the news and and hear about some kind of a supply chain disruption, whether that's going to be a, a ship that's stuck in the Suez Canal to, um, you know, a bird flu or something like that. We're seeing every time you go into the store, you're, at least we are, surprised at what we're out of. I mean, there was an aluminum shortage that happened when COVID started. It was trouble getting aluminum. And so the manufacturers like Pepsi and Coke and some of the other can were having trouble you know, getting their products due to a supply chain issue. Recently, eggs have shot up in price. I mean, it's just I'm trying to find them. That's because there was a bird flu out there. And so the limited, so it's that old economic supply and demand that goes into there. And and those disruptions are hard to plan. Um, I just recently read where every 3.1 years, there's going to be a disruption in the magnitude of two to three months. So if you think about that, and when I say a disruption, that's one that's just not a glitch where you don't get a truck in. This is something that's majorly impacting the industry for two to three months. And anytime you get that disruption or that impact, that's going to create chaos. And it creates chaos for the suppliers, creates chaos for the consumer products, good companies, and it creates chaos for the retailers. Because all of us, again, I get back to it. We want to make sure we keep the product on the shelf for the consumers. And it's those disruptions that you can't plan for. You just have to make sure that you can react to it as best as you can. So John, I guess that brings up the big question. You, you can't plan for these, as you mentioned, they happen unexpectedly. We've, as you said, they've been in the news a lot the last couple of years, although they've always happened. So how do you respond, you know, quickly to this? You've, you've been on both sides of this. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, how do you advise, you know, your customers, your clients on, you know, how they get better at reacting to these things they can't even anticipate? Yeah, so there's there's two things that I advise to the to the customers that I work with. Number one is have the ability to create different scenarios in your in your planning systems. We're never going to get away from planning. I mean, that's just that's in consumer products good. That's always going to be there, and we need to do that for a lot of outside re- reasons. You need to make sure that you do your planning, and then you create different scenarios. So, what happens if supply would go down? What happens if Demand would increase by 10%. How would I solve those things? Because what happens is you need to make decisions so quickly in order to make sure that you keep that flow of product going that you have to think through. And then when you start to see the pendulum start to swing where your plan, which never hardly ever occurs the way that you want it to occur, once it starts to swing one way or the other, you've already thought through the process. You've already said, this is what we're going to do. So that helps you get into that execution mode faster. The second thing that we have to do, and I, and I tell our, our customers and our potential customers that you have to do, is again, we are named consumer products. You have to stay closer to the consumer. You have to start seeing what are they talking about? What are they buying? Where are they buying it? How are they buying it? The more you know about that consumer, although we've just talked about that we're changing every day, the closer that you can get to that consumer and learn more about how they're changing, when they're changing, and why they're changing, that's going to help you in in 
the planning and as well as the execution to make sure that you can keep those flows of goods coming to the customers. I guess where I was trying to lead to with this is, you know, that the emerging technologies that come around and that connection between the retailer and the, the CPG company, you know, and I, I said this to your your team meeting when I was there to to talk to them. You guys offer a great solution with great opportunity to to tie those two parts of the of the supply chain together. The ability to to take that point of sale information and that in inventory information that is generally maybe not readily received on a timely manner and given to consumer products goods companies is a great win because that does bring us that much closer to the consumer. It kind of opens up the window in, in that wall that exists in between us for us to look through and actually see what the consumer is doing. It. John, in our conversations that consistently comes up, I think you have a, a unique passion for making sure you don't lose sight of the consumer through mm-hmm. all of this. Circling back a little bit to this this interesting dynamic that brands have uh, in in of course they need a strong relationship with retailers. Uh, you know these are the the primary channel these are the primary channels uh, which a lot of brands sell through. But also this this idea of well who owns the customer and who owns the customer information uh, to some degree retailers and brands are cooperating competitors and so i'm curious how you view balancing this and and how folks balance this dynamic effectively yeah that is that is an age-old question and, and i wish there was a silver bullet for it because again like i said 35 years ago we were trying to figure this out and fast forward, and here we are today still trying to figure it out. So that is an interesting dynamic that that happens between the retailers and the consumers. When I get the opportunity, and it doesn't happen that often where I get the retailer and a consumer product good company in the same room together and we talk about this, what I try to get them to focus on is that we both have the same end goal in mind. We want to make sure that we keep the consumer happy, that they come back to your store, that they continually buy product from your store, but when they come to your store, they buy my product is because that's what they want. So I need to make sure that I have my product in your stores. You need to make sure that you don't have it in the back room. You have it onto the store so that the consumer can get it or on your website with your inventory updated to the correct amount so that they can place that order online and then come and pick it up. So that dynamic of, we we always fight about who owns the consumer, you know, a brand company would say, that's my customer, that's my consumer. And the retailer says, well, they shop at my place. What we need to do is we need to get past that and look out what's good for us. For for those of us that are listening on the podcast today or the three of us that are sitting here talking together, what is it that we want? And if we can focus ourselves by sharing information, what's going on in your world and what's going on in my world, we can then better plan to handle maybe some of those disruptions from a CPG company. If I know that my manufacturing facility isn't going to be able to produce much, be open, tell the retailer that this is going to happen. How can we work around this? Again, keeping the consumer in the end mind. I learned very early on, uh, once I started working at Maytag Appliances, fresh out of college, uh, and one of my executives that I used as a mentor told me that the consumer is king or queen in that standpoint, because in, in our place at, at Maytag Appliances is actually a female that bought the appliances. They made the decision up there. So the consumer is king or queen. We need to keep that mentality today, keep the consumer in the mind, and rather than making it an adversarial relationship, we need to be, 
share information better than what we do today and then work together with the ultimate purpose in mind of both increasing revenues and profitability. So, so if I'm hearing you right, John, it sounds like focusing on the joint objective, which is we want the product to be on the shelf and we want the consumer to have a good experience buying that and everything else can get complicated. But as long as you stay focused on, we have a, a shared goal that can mm-hmm. help a lot in, in that relationship. That, that is the ultimate goal. And it's tough and we're still talking through it and we have a long way to go. Um, but I have seen some c- retailers and consumer products companies solve this. And when I see that how they're working together, I see nothing but improved benefit and from both sides. And there, there is truly a win-win relationship. I'm curious as, again, you've got the 35 years of experience, you've seen the change, you know, you talked about just all the focus in the last couple of years, the disruptions, the changing consumer trends that were happening before, but seem like they've been accelerated or accentuated. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as you look forward the next couple of years, what, what do you see changing? Yeah. So, you know, again, if I had my crystal ball and I could look into it and tell you what was going to happen that uh, I wouldn't be sitting there talking to the two of you guys today. But the one thing that I can say is that if we do learn is that change is constant. It is going to change. As we look ahead and we say what's going to happen, um, what I generally tell consumer products companies is to stay really close to their own employees, to stay really close to themselves, to their families, because the same thoughts of what's going through your mind as you're seeing some of this disruption come in, how you're shopping in that, you're not alone. Everybody else is doing that. So there is going to be more disruption. I just told you before, every 3.1 years, there's going to be at least a two-month. That's not even counting the small disruptions that we have throughout that process. If we go into it with a mindset that, yes, there's going to be disruptions, there is going to be, uh, if you want to say it, a new normal. I don't know if we're ever going to be to a normal state again, but... If we do a better job of planning through all the what-if scenarios that we can think about, we're going to have a better job of then executing. And if we do a better job of executing and adapting to those changes that are presented to us, better off we're going to be in servicing the end consumer. So um, I wish I had more than that of what I see in the future. I know technology is going to continue to change. I know technology is going to help business processes uh, more automate. We're going to learn more. We're going to use emerging technologies like AI and ML and robotics to help us continually do better. But I would almost guarantee you that if we had this podcast 35 years from now, which I know I would be really super old, we'd probably be talking about the same stuff all over again. Yeah, I, I think I think you're right. You know, what I'm certainly getting from this is just that idea that it's it's all about that consumer, right? The the aligned goals, there's a lot of different companies involved in that complex supply chain. But as long as everyone understands what that ultimate goal is, treating that, you know, queen or king, that, mm-hmm. uh, you know, end consumer, then everyone's going to win in that process. Um, and so I imagine that's going to stay pretty constant here, too, even if a lot of the, the details around it change. And again, it, again, we don't have to go very far to look at the industry that we play in, consumer goods. So, I mean, it's it's a reminder to those of us that are in, in roles similar to myself or that are in their manufacturing products. It's just, just look at the industry that you're in and remind yourself that the consumer should be uh, our main focus. Well, John, thank you so much for joining us today. It's really been great having this conversation with you. 
I've enjoyed it as well. I appreciate the inclusion, guys. You've been listening to John Buckley, Consumer Products Industry Advisor at SAP. That's all for this week. See you next time on Shelf Life.